Welcome to Working on Wellness, Health and Mind's bi-weekly wellness podcast where we discuss wellness through the lens of mindfulness, mental health, nutrition, sleep, exercise, and healthy relationships. Um, we're really stoked you're with us today as we talk about journaling as a method to expand personal awareness. We'd like to remind you that you can learn more about the six tenets of wellness and how to get connected with us here at Health and Mind by clicking the link in the show notes. And today, We've got a special guest. He's a longtime friend of mine, and um, I'd, I'd say a mentor. And um, I'm gonna introduce him. His name is Brent. And um, actually, no, I take it back. I'm gonna say his name and then ask him to introduce himself to y'all. So, Brent, please tell the podcast listeners a bit about yourself. Hello, everybody. My name is Brent. As Henry said, a little bit about myself. I am a man who is obsessively concerned with health and answers. Um, it's been a long standing journey of digging through a, a lot of different modalities and areas of study um, that has begun to awaken my understanding of what it takes as a human being to find stability uh, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So Henry and I have shared a lot of conversations in that sense, and we'll get the opportunity to share that with you today. I hope that you guys glean something from a little bit of the words that we throw out. Thank you for that introduction. I, and this last time I'll be talking to the podcast listeners and then I'll be talking to you, but I just want to say Brent and I's conversations, um, in my opinion, have just been so rich and deep that we didn't even really have a, a set plan for this today. Cause I knew when we talked, something would come up for us. And sure enough, um, Brent has had a recent experience with journaling, um, which is something that we've discussed before, but, um, specifically as it relates to uh, the expansion of personal awareness. So that's where we're going to start today. Um, I think maybe for starters, how did you get into journaling to begin with, Brent? Good question. Uh, I'll give you a little bit of a context and some backstory, and then I'll kind of get into the meat of it. Uh, when I was in my sophomore year of college, uh, I went through a really very stressful period of time in my life. Uh, I was taking far too many credit hours, uh, trying to hold on a job, had a girlfriend, the relationship was going south, pressures of school, et cetera. I hit that kind of breaking point. So that following summer, when I was uh, working a summer job, I had an opportunity to take a year off. Um, this was actually an answer to prayer. And it was during that year off that I started learning a lot of just the basics uh, for life. So how to take care of yourself, how to get enough sleep, how to eat, just basically anything that you can think of. But through that process, one of the main ways that I was learning about how to take care of oneself was through podcasting. And I forget which podcast it was, but I do remember the, um, the, the host, excuse me, the guest that came up on the podcast. Her name is Katie Dale Bouts. Forgive me if I mispronounce that, but she wrote a book called something about journaling. <laughs> I can't remember. I'll have to, we'll have to put it in the show notes or something, but uh, she, she in the preface to her book describes herself as um, an obsessive, like self-improvement person. So she spent a couple of years, ironically, in her own college life, trying to, trying to make herself a little bit better. And she, the way that she did that was through books. And she was so um, inclined towards this mean that basically everyone for a couple of years for her birthdays or celebrations or whatever would just give her gifts in the form of gift cards to like Barnes and Noble or whatever. So she would walk into these bookstores and she just devoured every single self-help book on the shelf that you could think of that came out over those two or three years or whatever. And then one day she walked back into a Barnes and Noble with a new gift card in her hand and she realized, oh shoot, I have read every single book in this store wow. and my life hasn't changed at all. Wow. Yeah. And then right next to it, next to that bookshelf that she was staring at, there was a shelf with journals. So long story short is that she picked up a journal and she just started processing. What have I learned? What have I been through? How does it all fit together? What can I do with it? And it's from that course of action that her life finally began to change. It was the 
it was no longer the accumulation of knowledge, it was the application and the practice of that knowledge that created the inertia for change in her life. And then through that process, because it was so powerful for her, she ended up writing the book, which again, the title, I can't, <laughs> I can't remember at this moment, but uh, that's the book that I got a hold of. Um, but I was actually, I didn't actually read a lot of the book because it was more a collection of prompts to get you thinking about various things. I didn't necessarily need those prompts. I'm someone who, when I have something in my mind, I just, I write or think about it and it comes pretty clearly to me. Um, but I was still really impacted by her story and the power of journaling. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, I think the word that came to mind um, is transformation. Like when you're reading something, it can affect you in the moment, but if it's not practical, and used in your life, how do you expect it to have any kind of a long-term effect? Because it's, it's like a Bible verse, right? You look in the mirror and then you turn away and you forget your own reflection. I think it's very similar to a lot of what we read. And so um, I, another thing that made me really excited, just the image of her going into the bookstore and having that realization, oh my gosh, I've read it all, but I haven't written anything. And that's such a dichotomy, right? To read is to receive and to write is to take what's within and bring it up and out into the surface. And I think the most important part of that, at least in my experience with journaling, is the chance to articulate what's within without judgment, without interruption, without interruption. Um, and like as you were pointing out, with complete freedom. Yeah. You know, there's not a assignment that I'm, you know, I have to write about this subject. It's just what's coming up for me, and here's a free space to do so. Um, and there's a, I found a clarifying element within that. Um, I'm curious when you began your journaling, so like you read this book and you go, okay, journaling something I should maybe check out. What, what was, um, what were those beginning journals like? What were the effect they had on your life? Uh, the beginning journals, as far as to use your phrase, were not actually beginning journals for me. Uh, I had already been writing in kind of my own quiet space for a long time, but for whatever reason, I just never, I never put that label on it. I just thought it was something I needed to do. Hmm. Um, probably because I had a preconceived notion about what journaling was. Hmm. So I kind of tossed that out as I do most things. And I just kind of did it the way that I wanted to, the way that came naturally to me. And that, and this is kind of a side tangent to what we'll get into, that I'm realizing is the, probably the most important aspect of being a human being is recognizing what comes naturally to you hmm. and not fighting it. Mm -hmm. But the real trick becomes, and we'll go deeper into this, the real trick becomes dichotomizing or recognizing the difference between the things that we have been conditioned to do or believe or how to act and the things that we actually want to do or think or believe. Hmm. That's where journaling steps in as the tool to clarify the chaos that is in your brain and your heart. Mm -hmm. So when I say that I wasn't beginning journaling, um, I, I really mean that. But at that stage, I had, I was in such a chaotic moment of my life. I was in such a, a literal heart cry of what the heck am I doing with myself? Where's my life going? Um, and having this emotional recognition that the whole world around me the society that I had grown up in was just, for lack of a better word, um, idiotic. <laughs> it really was. The demands that we place, the demands that were placed upon me and my peers for how hard we're supposed to work, how long we're supposed to run, how little sleep and the poor amount of food that we're supposed to get, all of those things that had become standardized and not just per, um, not just permitted, but almost advocated, like openly advocated and bragged about to a certain point by so many um, in the social circles. Mm -hmm. I had, I hit that recognition of, okay, everyone's doing it this way, but I can see clearly within myself and I'm feeling within myself how unhealthy this is, at least for me. Mm -hmm. So it was through that journaling process and taking that year off that I recognized that I needed to start making sense of what I had received from public, from the public. And and parse out, okay, what am I going to hold on to? And what am I going to let go of? And what new things, what new habits and information do I need to bring in to make myself stronger? 
Hmm. And journaling was a mode to clarify those things. Whereas before you didn't have anything to get your own thoughts out there to kind of go, okay, this is what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking versus the world. You just kind of had the world and maybe some resistance inside of yourself. Like that doesn't seem right. Yeah, absolutely. And this is coming to mind too. This has become one of the few catchphrases that I've purposefully memorized and pushed into my subconscious. It's that until it is on paper, it's vapor. Ooh, I, Ooh, yeah. I like that. That's I good. I shared that with, with you before, Henry, but I'll say it again. <laughs> until it's on paper, it's vapor. Mm. Okay? So I'll ask you first, Henry, what does that make you think of? It makes me think of the flightiness of a thought, um, the, the fleeing emotion you get when something happens and you don't take stock of it in some way. It just, it makes me think of not grabbing hold of a feeling or a thought and just kind of, you have it and then it goes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the flightiness, the fleetingness of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, I will, I'll give credit. That is not my phrase. <laughs> that is not my phrase. I picked that up from a book I read a little more recently called Mind Hacking. I don't remember the author's name at this moment, but that book was absolutely a pivotal moment and monument in my life for self-help and for um, finding peace and clarity. Mm. But it's that, that book, though they're not necessarily directly related they're doing the same thing in different ways. While Katie Dalebout was using a journal, the author of Mind Hacking was advocating the recognition of one's personal thoughts and emotions from more of a cerebral context. So essentially just kind of sitting and thinking about it, or rather like to give you an example, let's say you're walking down the street and you see a woman that reminds you of your ex-girlfriend, you're gonna get triggered in some sense and you're gonna have a series of emotions. So most of us, because we haven't been trained to pay attention to those emotions, we'll just have them and probably get in a bad mood or a good mood, depending on how that relationship ended. Um, we might hold them, hold on to those thoughts and those emotions for a couple seconds. Others will stew in it for a long time, but not know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. So what they're describing in, in this book, Mind Hacking, is essentially rewriting the code of how your brain Mm. processes information. So if, if the code is, Oh my gosh, that woman looks like my ex-girlfriend and their negative thoughts, those might just stew inside of you and give you a whole crappy week. But if you learn to take those similar emotions and rewrite the code into something positive, like, Hey, you know, I haven't seen her in a long time, but I really did used to love her. I'm going to, I'm going to wish her well, I'm going to remember the good times that I had in that moment. And I'm not going to allow my bad experience to destroy my day or my week. Mm. So again, two separate methods, one journaling, one more, just kind of a a conscientiousness, but they're doing the same thing. They're advocating the awareness, the active participation in your emotional awareness. And I don't want to get us off of this line of thinking too much, but I, but this brings up some psychology that I want to kind of throw out there as well. So they found that when you go through a significant trauma, that that emotion from that trauma, that memory gets trapped in the right side of your brain, which is a lot of where the feeling and, and sort of artistic side, you know, we kind of think of artistic on the right side of the brain. And then the left brain is more, um, uh, mathematical, logical. Um, but the words, the word processing would be on that side as well. And so what they found is that when someone's able to journal about feelings and emotions, that is doing what you talked about, which is taking the vapor and, and putting it on paper. And that process allows someone to pull a lot of the emotion out of the trauma because now they're taking, yeah. I don't know if ownership's the right word, but they're, they're somehow, they're confronting it and they're making sense out of it. And that is, uh, that's a form of confrontation that makes the person bigger. You know, it doesn't make the thing smaller, but it makes them go, okay, I can, I can sift through this emotion and see what it's all about. The only other point that I had that came up that I was like, I got to mention this is I did a process in college. It was sort of my intro to journaling. Um, Jordan Peterson, a uh, guy I'm a fan of, he came out with this program called the future authoring. 
and it was a it was a three segment suite where you have the uh, past authoring present authoring and future authoring i didn't do the present one fully but i finished the past and the future and the goal of this was to at least for the past authoring was to go through the significant epochs of your life and think about the most emotionally charged thing that happened there and just journal about it and i ended up writing pages on it's funny you brought girlfriend, my first girlfriend. I wrote pages on um, the first time I lost a friend in a fight, like not not physical fight, but like we just we went we parted ways. And what I noticed from that was those people and those events didn't come to mind as often. And when they did, I didn't feel the same kind of way. So I don't know if we can put that in there at all, or if that's even part of this conversation. But there's something to taking the time to process on your own that takes those. Um, as you were saying, those vapors, maybe the hot vapors, and it cools them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Everything you just said, as far as my brain made sense of it, if you got Katie Dale Bout on the left and you got uh, the author of Mind Hacking on the right, Peterson, Jordan Peterson's kind of sitting in the middle. He's, he's doing what they're both doing, but he was, he was advocating his own um, writing prompt, if you will, through the, the topic of epochs, as you said. Right. So real question, a uh, quick question for you personally, because I know your mind dwells on these things. And that word epoch is something that only recently uh, became almost common to my consciousness. So I'm curious to get your definition as to what an epoch would be. An epoch is a segment of time. So I think about it like chapters in a book, but instead just sections of time in the past. So like an epoch for me might be my middle school years, or it might be the time I was best friends with a guy named Jack. That was, a, you know, it's, it's kind of, I loosely define it, um, or I, I allow the timing of an epoch to be loosely defined and more by the parameters of the significant events rather than the time of it necessarily, yeah. like the dates, so to speak. Oh, no, it's good. It's good. And the example that you used as well, uh, both about your girlfriend and, you know, the first friend that you actually, you know, parted ways with. That's kind of how I was understanding it as well. Uh, but it, it's somewhat coincidental. No, I'm not really sure I believe in coincidence anymore. Um, <laughs> it's coincidental that just a couple of days ago, as I was reading through uh, some of the Bible, I came across a passage that specifically uses that word epoch. It's talking about Jesus is saying of uh, God, the father, that God, the father is the only one who, who knows the times and the epochs through which humanity is supposed to, in some sense, play itself out. And I found that very, it just, it stood out to me. So again, it's, it's newly conscious. I'm newly conscious of it. And I find it cool that we're talking about it now because it is very much, as I said, I, and I used this word earlier, um, Katie Dalebout's book and that period of trial in my life was was a monument. It was monumental in my life. So in that sense, it was an epoch. Yeah. And and what you just said from the Bible verse, it may, it, it brought to mind like that dichotomy between um, time as far as the distance of time between this event and that event versus the color of that time. What mm -hmm. emotions were you feeling in that time? What kind of thought patterns were you in? What sort of maturity level um, and as far as when, like, you know, as far as what God was saying about humanities, I've no, I'm not a biblical scholar. I just want to assert <laughs> this in there is that maybe he was thinking about the times in which there was, you know, a monarch rulers, or there was, um, you know, the time of democracy, like whatever kind of way in which society constructed itself or, um, what the belief systems might be. Um, so the character of the time in that segment, so maybe it's a little bit of both, is is sort of how I think of an epoch. We really should pull up a definition of it at this point now that we're talking about it so much. But yeah, maybe we'll do it at the end. Um, yeah. but I really, I like the word that you used to enhance our understanding of what that definition would be in your choice of the word colorization. Because I think that's a very important distinguishment to make uh, between the epochs. So you can be in a great place in your life you can be in a, eh, I'm just kind of going through the motion place in your life, or you can be in a, I'm in a really crappy place in my life. Right. So, and when you play that out over a historical timeline over the course of humanity, there's a lot of different things going on. Um, but the point is, and
and this is coming to my mind as I say it, the point of journaling or this active consciousness that the book uh, Mind Hacking advocates is finding yourself, literally finding yourself through writing on the timeline of humanity to figure out who you are, hmm. what you like, and what you can do with it. That's about as simple as I've, <laughs> that's about as simple as a definition to a purpose that I can give right now. Who are you? What do you have? And what can you do with it? Now, a lot of, um, specifically from the, the Protestant or the Christian background that I was raised in, uh, Christ advocates helping the other, loving the other, love God, love the other. Okay. That's about as simplified as it gets, but it's still nonetheless incredibly powerful. But what I'm, what I've learned from myself is that if you don't understand who you are, what you have and what you can do with it, because you're still messed up and trying to make sense of the chaos that is, you know, what your mom says you should do with your life or what your grandparents are saying you should do with your life or Maybe the fact that you're pressured into becoming a doctor because your teacher said something, you're not going to recognize both your power and your purpose. So that's what journaling has and is currently as of again, just today, before we got on this call, that is what it is actively doing for myself. I have become very clear about what I've struggled with why I've struggled with it, the purpose behind that struggle, and the strength that has come for me to activate in a way now that I can help other human beings. So in response to that, number one, I just want to say everything you said, I resonate with in my own experience with journaling. It's, it's a clarifying process to its core. And I would even say empowering. Um, and it fills me with gratitude every time I do it, especially when I journal until I get that feeling like you're done now. Usually the, the bow on that is whatever I'm talking about, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, I end with gratitude because yeah. it makes me, even if I'm not talking about what I have, it makes me aware of, I at least have this space in which I can do this. And and, and just the gratitude maybe within my soul to, to have that space ends up saying thank you to God or the universe, however you want to put it at the end of it it just wraps up that way. Um, but I wanted to put this out there, not as like a, a counterpoint, but just something to offer up. Um, although it is a clarifying agent to journal, what I've noticed is I've never done. Um, my ego is there and it will make me forget about the clarifying I did this morning. Or even if I journal really well for a long period of time and I, and I get in a really nice flow, because I'm a human being, inevitably I'll change enough to where I need more understanding of who I am now in this context and in this phase of life. And so I guess it's not really even a challenge, more of an encouragement that it has this power, but even this can be fleeting if it's not a habit. I think it needs to be a habit to really have its effects. Yes. Yes. Well said. And I'm going to back that up with a beautiful metaphor that just came to mind as you were saying all that. Okay. Awesome. Um, for you listeners, this is what happens when Henry and I talk sometimes, and it becomes pretty divine in a sense. So I hope you all enjoy this. Um, every single human being is like a tree. But we begin, just like every small tree does, as uh, an acorn, and becomes a sapling. Those saplings are sitting on the forest floor, and there are other older and more mature trees that have grown up above them and around them. Every single one of those taller trees through their own struggles of life have grown to a point that their canopies receive and reach out for more sunlight. If we liken sunlight to information as something that's vital to our own growth, then it requires the daily practice of reaching for the sunlight, soaking it in and growing that we as a tree can grow enough to a point that we can become um, a presence, both of comfort and shelter for other human beings and other, you know, other people, but also for 
our ability to create, uh, for lack of a better term, and to, to steal a Christian one, to create fruit. Uh, in this, in the sense, it would be creating an acorn that drops back to the ground and creates something new that grows up in, in and of itself. So journaling is one of the ways that we can actively reach out to receive the light that we need to grow. That's why, as you say, you need to do it with some consistency. Otherwise, <laughs> it's like, if you don't see if you stop drinking water, you're not going to get, you're not going to last too long. So yeah, it's a very important thing. Well, let me, let me add to your metaphor. Cause I loved that. Um, and then I, I kept thinking about sort of the dark side of that, which is that if you're a small acorn trying to grow and all that's around you are these larger trees that have been around the block and they see things their way. It's not that that's the worst thing in the world. Maybe they're telling you good things that are helping you grow, but you're only getting what they tell you. It's a, it goes back to what you were talking about, about seeing a society that's normalized and standardized a lot of things that don't work for you, maybe don't work for me, maybe don't work for the next person. And so the sunlight, I, I think about that as a connection to your soul, which you're not going to find in the forest around you. You're only going to find that from the light. And journaling might be one of the few conduits to get that connection because yes. the trees around you can't give it to you. They can't give you sunlight. Yeah. Yeah. And so I will enhance what you just added even more. Let's go. So there's a difference between filtered light, shadowed light, and mm -hmm. direct light. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if, if the larger trees, call it your parents or your teachers or whatever, are so encumbering or so encompassing of your life that they are filtering all of your information, and that is your only source, all of that light is going to be colored in a sense. It's going to be off. It's not going to be what you directly need. Whereas direct sunlight is pure. It's, it's straight from whatever divine source, whatever label you want to put on that. It's straight from the divine source to your own soul and providing the answers and the clarifications and the challenges that we need personally to grow in, in tangent and in um, proximity to the other people in our lives. Yes. And we will inevitably have at least the filtered influence. We can't escape that. Yeah. We can control how much of the pure influence we have. Yeah. And as a result, that kind of characterizes our growth as a, as a tree, right? We're going to be kind of a mix of the two. And I, I wanted to also put this out there too. Like when, I, um, when I'm journaling, I'm not just connecting to the source because even though I don't have any externals judging me as I write, I still have those voices of those filtered lights in my head. Yeah. And so I think a cool thing about journaling is finding your own voice within it. I liken it to music. Um, you know, they often say, if you've never written a song before, it's kind of like turning a faucet on and a bunch of crap comes out first before you start to get <laughs> water. Sure. It's true in poetry as well. You just kind of rusty. Um, and so that's another, uh, <laughs> that'd be another reason to continue to try to do this journaling. If it doesn't come naturally to someone is that you end up finding your voice through the practice of it. And um, that's a part of it too. Like, it's not going to be an instant. You sit down to write, what do I write? You know, it might not come naturally in the beginning. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I would say that you can, you can take that concept of finding your voice and apply that to basically any art form. Yeah. Personally, I'm a writer and that's, that is a, a fairly common phrase within writing circles. Oh, this guy has his own style. He has his own voice. Same thing in music, same thing in, I would assume dance or even the way that, you know, maybe a professor has to talk about quantum physics, like the way that you speak about something is using general understood terminology, but it's still filtered through your personality. So it's gonna come out differently. But those of us who spend the time cultivating that voice become the Jack Kerouacs and the Walt Whitmans and the Shakespeare's of our, of our niche, if you will. Um, you know, the Jimi Hendrix's, the Mozarts, but it takes a long time. It takes effort, it takes practice. And I can say with, with pride, and with satisfaction that I found my voice through writing like almost like five years ago. So now it's just there. Yeah. 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 You have. 
Um, and I don't know if you ever, I don't know if you want to do it today or if you ever want to come back and share with the listeners any of your, uh, any of your work, but um, it's powerful. It's impressive. And you can tell that it's not, it's not convoluted. You can tell it comes from a source. And that's the, that's what makes beautiful art, as you said, is being able to be in touch with um, that divine spirit. You can just kind of tell that from your writing. Um, I wanted to ask you that it kind of, it kind of goes along with this theme we have going on about our connection to that source. And it might just be true of me. So I wanted to ask you when you journal or when you write, if you're just writing your thoughts, who are you writing to? Who are you, who are you addressing when you write? What are you saying? Like what kind of stuff comes out? That's a really good question. Uh, but to be frank or to be honest with you, I'm not writing to anyone. I'm just writing. Uh, so, okay. I'll kind of take this back to that phrase that we used till it's on paper, it's vapor. If you exchange that piece of paper or that journal for a chalkboard, are you necessarily writing to anyone or are you just as a thinker pulling thoughts out of the ether of consciousness and just scribbling it on a board until it makes sense? So I'm, I'm more of that, probably because I just, I lean very heavily into the scholarly realm. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with learning and I love it. So I'm never writing. To, I'm not necessarily writing to anyone when I'm in that space, but I have, I have come to a place in my own life where I recognize that what I have discovered through these journaling sessions can eventually be shared. So like in a conversation like this, I have clarified my understanding enough of myself and, and the, the actions that I take to speak informatively about this topic, at least to a degree. Um, but no, I, I really don't end up writing to anyone. The only time that I choose to do that is in the rare instance that I write a letter of thanks or gratefulness or which is the same thing um, to a friend of mine or to a family member, that kind of thing. This is so cool because same, but I'm not as academically minded. I, you know, I'm someone that when I journal, whatever, don't let it, don't, don't put that on yourself. Dude, you are so academically minded. You just, you're finishing your master's program for goodness sake. Maybe I should journal about it and it'll become more clear to me. What I have <laughs> the, the academic. But when I, when I write, um, I'm writing my thoughts and I don't feel as if I'm directing them to anybody. But as I'm writing, what's going on inside is becoming more clear. Yeah. So I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm writing to communicate with somebody, but right. that person is myself and I don't have to read it back. <laughs> and yeah. I'm, already, I'm already communicating because here's, here's what I'm trying to get to. We're talking about this spirit, the sun. And I feel like in that metaphor, it feels as if that thing is on the outside. But when I write, I, with every stroke of my pen, I'm clarifying to myself what's real and what's not, because I can feel the resonance in my, in my spirit when I write something, if it's real or not, if yeah. it's fake or not, if it's me having a bad attitude, I can write it and think, I don't feel good when I write that. Like, it's not that conscious. It's not that uh, uh, drawn out. But, um, and so I guess what I'm saying is like, it's the weirdest thing where I'm using language but I'm not communicating with anybody really. What's up with that? <laughs> uh, it's, it's an interesting point to make. Um, I would actually push back on that a bit. Go ahead. I would say that, well, we'll go, we'll go this way route first. Cause I, I love talking about how do I phrase this? Um, the universality and non-specificity of language. So what I mean by that is, we, we have currently probably tens of thousands of, of like spoken and written languages, but there are also tens of thousands that have become extinct or absorbed into modern languages. Right. But we use that same term language to, um, in association to music, like mm -hmm. music in and of itself is language. Um, sign language is just signing is sign is a form of language. So language in and of itself is non-specific or generally but it can become specific so through that through your choice or anyone's choice in an instant 
of how they want to communicate their thoughts or their emotions, which mm -hmm. are inseparable. Mm -hmm. The means by which those thoughts and emotions become manifest is dependent on the language choice. I think I, I think I understand what you mean. Let me let me try to see if I get you. Okay, that was a lot. <laughs> Basically, you're saying I'm using words, English yeah. language, yeah. as I write, but I might be conflating that as meaning that I have to be talking to somebody, yeah. or or communicating something to someone. When in actuality, I'm doing some process that helps me organize thoughts and feelings. And it might look like I'm talking to somebody or it look like I'm writing a letter to someone, but that's because I'm mixing up words with having to be speaking to somebody in, in language of some sort where it could be like music. It could be like, um, I guess what I mean by that is like, or, or yeah, I, I think I summed it up. I'll stop there. I think that's what you were going for. Correct me if I was off though. No, you're right. Um, bring kind of your own spin on it, but I'll, I kind of simplify or I'll mesh the two together in this sense. Henry, when you play guitar mm -hmm. and you're in a room by yourself, are you playing for anyone? Right. No, not really. <laughs> Just enjoy now, it. If, if you were to record that, are you still playing for somebody? Maybe, maybe if I'm, if I'm thinking about who I'm going to send it to, right. Good answer. It's that maybe that creates the opportunity for you to eventually share that so that guitar song mm. writing is the same thing at least at least for me again i'm just writing sometimes i go back and reread my work it's that maybe point but most of the time because i have so many thousands of thoughts that are going all the time i just need to fill a new page and keep moving forward um so it's it's the option it's the recordance it is the taking the vapor and putting it on paper that creates the opportunity for the uh, the re-engagement of that knowledge for yourself or for others same thing happens with a book so i can write something down like literally i could i could smash together the stupid stupid amount of pages that i have written in the form of a journal over the last couple of years and I don't know, maybe maybe three thousand years. Somebody digs up my journals because it's buried in my basement and never got damaged by fire. And somebody goes, "Oh, look! Somebody left us a book. It's not ordered, but it's still written down, so they could engage with it." So wild, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so um, I don't know how personal this question might be, but I'm just so curious about it. As, as before we started recording, you talked about how you had a really significant time journaling recently. Um, I was wondering if you wanted to talk about that at all. Yeah, well, first of all, I appreciate your asking. Um, and I wanted to thank you as well for your, your compliments and your enthusiasm towards the, the written work that you've observed of my own. That's, I appreciate that. Because it's incredible, Brent. <laughs> it's really awesome, man. Uh, it feels good coming out. I'm just glad to hear that other people enjoy it. Um, Great. Yeah. So remind me of your question. I got distracted. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Um, what brought us to wanting to discuss this topic was, uh, or just like recent events you had in journaling. And I wondered if you wanted to get more specific to those. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a, it'll serve as a good example of the power and the beauty that comes from journaling, or I could, I would just say talking. Um, so to give you guys kind of an example, uh, we'll go back to what I, I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast. It was that sophomore year of college when life was overly chaotic and stressful that I began to push back on the standards that society has placed upon, had placed upon us, but on me specifically. And it was, it was in that moment of, it was in that epoch <laughs> that I chose to step away from what was kind of the mainstream 
pressure, mentioned conversation of you have to do these things, you have to do it in this order, you have to do it in this way, and you have to eventually become these things, that I began to step back and say, I don't think that's for me. I can take pieces of it. But that was seven years ago. It was, it's been a while when that, when that particular epoch started, when I really, when I took that year off, I think it's been about seven years and it is really, it has really been about this last year of my life after struggling through a really, really hard and, and quite honestly, um, deep bout of depression uh, about two years ago now that I have recognized, for lack of a better word, the purpose of everything that I've been through and namely what I can do with what I have gleaned from those experiences. Um, a lot of it has become just new emotional strength. So understanding how much resiliency I have emotionally and physically, specifically emotionally. Mm -hmm. um, and it is through that recognition of my resiliency that I've also been able to recognize the, the jobs and the things that I have learned, how those two elements when pushed together becomes the actionables of my life. So remember I said, it's, we're, we're asking, we as human beings, I think need to ask the questions of not only who am I from like kind of an emotional um, personality place, but what am I capable of? So that's what I have been really breaking down for the last seven years or so th through this process of journaling and a whole bunch of other, um, other means. But it was today that I recognized that I am now quite clear as to what I would like to do with those talents and those experiences that I have gleaned. What was that like? The feeling of the realization. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know that moment when you when you get a really good grade on a test that's kind of what it felt like you're like damn yes i've worked i've worked so hard for this but then you get that that just that rush of validation my hard work has paid off mm -hmm. and that's what this has been for me um and it it is happening more frequently now and in various ways, but today's particular validation came in the form and the medium of journaling. So, I mean, it can happen in conversations. Uh, you and I have these moments quite a bit. We had one a couple of weeks ago where like I was processing some deep stuff and you helped me realize, oh yeah, this is and this. I was having those moments again. It's those moments of clarity and affirmation and, and realization that are the, the A's on the, or the B's on the test. You're like, yes, I did it. Okay. I can keep going. So today was, today felt like, <laughs> today felt like a midterm and getting A's back on every single one of my midterms. Wow. That's what it felt like two hours ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, what's that, what that's bringing up for me is the side that, you know, you and I haven't really highlighted yet, which is, um, maybe the difficulty and the time that is required. I mean, we talked about journaling as a habit, but it, it sounds to me like this is a result of not only journaling, but just your intentionality with how you carry yourself in your life and wanting to be someone who's integrated and knows himself and all of that. And so, um, yeah, man, it, it, I mean, congratulations to you. I mean, that's great that that's, that's yeah. kind of what the feeling was like. And, um, but yeah, when you said midterm or like a grade back on a test, I, I thought, wow, um, there's been a lot of thought that's gone into this and a lot of work. And um, yeah, so I don't know. What does that say about life? Uh, it says it says two things about life. I'll start with what seems to be the less, um, like, ooh, that was amazing. Uh, <laughs> life Life has a life has a lesson at the very least life has a lesson it has lessons 
Um, but the second point, and I think this is a little bit more ethereal and beautiful, and it's in its ethereality, is the fact that those moments, I lost my train of thought. It's those moments that when we recognize that they, they mesh together when they come together, um, that they point us in a specific direction. It wasn't necessarily the thought that I had in my, in my brain. I, to be, to be honest, it, it kind of escaped me, but hopefully it'll come back around. Um, yeah, go ahead and respond and see if, see if something comes back. Hmm. Well, let me go back to what was coming up for me and sort of where I was going with the question. I wasn't going to a specific place, but like, I think it came up for me because no one's asking you to put in this work. No yeah. one's saying, Brent, you know what you need to do with your life, man? You need to think about who you are. You need to figure that out. Yeah. That's not what's happening in this world on the outside. But there's something from within that wants to know what's going on. That, that drive for knowledge, maybe, you know, your academic knowledge. Um, for me, it's, it's, a, it's always a question of how do you live the best life, right? It's like, it's, it's kind of that sort of a thing, maybe. Um, and when you've spent all that time to self-discover, it felt really good when you went, wow, I've gotten something from this. Yeah. This makes sense now. And maybe it yeah. didn't for a long time. So I'll say it, I'll ask again, maybe it'll come back. What does that say in my life? I've got it. So it came back as you're talking. So thank you. Um, I'll give my answer in two ways. First is just an example. So a couple of years ago when I was in college, I was also, I was running, um, I was running a specific team. It was just, it was a kind of a non-for-profit organization. Okay. I stepped into a role in a, in this new company that had never, never happened before. I was the supervisor of this team of people and I had nobody telling me how to do that job. So I spent an entire year troubleshooting and tripping and falling and stumbling and messing up meeting times and all, just ma managing the chaos that was building this thing from the ground up, this company from the ground up. And I had no idea what I was doing now that didn't hold me back. And I really didn't dwell on the fact that I didn't really know what I was doing because I just enjoyed the process of doing it. There wasn't this great pressure of, Oh, we have to make a, you know, a thousand dollars by the end of the month that if I don't, then I'm going to lose my job. That pressure wasn't there. But the reason I'm bringing this up is because at the end of that year, when I graduated, I had to train my replacement and it was, it was in this like hour and a half long conversation <laughs> where I was trying to train uh, my replacement that I was essentially downloading an entire year's worth of observations and troubleshooting. And I was, I stopped like mid stride as I was telling this guy, I was like, oh my gosh, like I didn't even realize how much I'd actually learned. Yeah. And it was, it was the recognition of, wow, I've learned a lot and wow, I am able to share and help someone start out from a place further down the road than I was when I started. So in that same, in that same sense, our lives are usually very free of the, the means or the ability to determine where we're at and how far we've gotten, or specifically, we'll just we'll call it. Our lives are free of a grading system. Okay. Now, society has given us a way to judge ourselves, to grade ourselves. But I'm I'm going to be frank here. I think that that system is shit. <laughs> I really do. And it is. <laughs> It's not just terrible, it's also deeply and inherently detrimental to our health. And that's, to take it back, that's what I came in contact with in that sophomore year of college. I was like, this system is terrible and I have got to remove myself from it if I'm, if I'm going to survive. Otherwise I will snap 
and I almost did. Um, so it's, it's through that process and it's through moments like that recognition that I had just a couple hours ago. And then I've had many times through conversation with you or just journaling that I am, that I am able to now begin quantifying and creating some sort of grading system for myself not in the terms of, oh, well, I'm now making $90,000 a year, so I've made it, right. which is something that we just end up chasing in our society of the American dream is, oh, well, if I make 90, then I have to start making 95, and then I don't have enough. It's constantly moving. But the same thing could be said for, well, now I'm married, or now I have this many kids, or wh whatever grading system you now currently have, most of that is incredibly, we're incredibly um, unaware of. It's just a subconscious thing that we picked up. And we're constantly judging our, um, ourselves to other people based upon how we dress or what we, what car we drive or whatever. Those grading systems are crap and they're terrible for us, but we don't know how to step out from them. So it's in a moment like this where we have the, we have the safety of ourselves. If you've done the emotional work, we have the safety of ourselves to create a grading system that reminds us and pats ourselves on the back and says, you are doing a good job. Keep going. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, Brent, I, I think we ought to wrap up there. Cause that was just, that was powerful. And that summed up everything. I don't need to, I don't need to add any notes at the end. That was, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for your, um, thank you for your wisdom and the hard work you've put in to help our listeners start a little bit ahead than from scratch from all the work you've put into um, thinking about journaling and, and thinking about life. Um, thank you. And thank you uh, for being a part of our wow community to all the listeners. Feel free to follow us on Spotify uh, or Google podcast for more episodes for questions, comments, or concerns, email us at intern at healthandmind.net. And lastly, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Instagram and Facebook at H-I-M-R-V-A. And all you do, keep your health in mind. See you next time. Thanks, guys.